0: Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. Good morning, good morning. You guys hear me? You can hear me loud and clear? It's freezing. If I'm stuttering, it's not because I'm nervous, I'm just cold. So, Haitian blood in me. Come on, guys. 11 years in Haiti, I can't handle 50. Let me give you, before we get into God's Word, let me give you a two-minute update here on Haiti. Uh, most of you in here, I believe, would know my family that uh, runs Haiti Bible Mission, and we spend a majority of the year in Haiti. Uh, we were actually supposed to go back the last week of October. Uh, for the last 11 years, since uh, my son was just a few months old, my oldest, uh, we have spent every Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, November and December, in Haiti, and now we are stuck here. It'll be the first time in 11 years that we have not been back with our Haitian family in November, December. And let me give you a little background. Uh, so it's actually actually right when North River was heading back from your guys' trip, um, the country started experiencing fuel shortages, um, all kinds of political unrest with the government and those things have not calmed down, uh, as if anything, they've escalated and, um, not trying to scare you, but this is just reality. The reality of it is right now, things are going to continue to get worse before they get better. It's just the reality. Um, there's a major fuel shortage. The country needs about a million gallons of, of gas and diesel a day to operate and they're getting about half of that. So think about what America needs to operate, truck drivers. Just think of everybody in the U.S. Now just cut everything in half. Tomorrow, what kind of crisis would America be under, right? Truck drivers can't drive. Everyone's angry, right? Things uh, waiting at the gas station. We recently, a couple weeks ago, bought fuel downtown in Jeremy, where we live, for 22 U.S. dollars a gallon. We are not driving many places, I'm telling you that. Like, literally, there's it's hurting everybody. So, what the economy is doing in Haiti, what the government's doing, it's it's really putting a strain on our people, on our organization. We've had to cancel seven work teams to come down and uh, serve with us. That's been hard. Um, Even MAF who flies this because it's not safe to drive with all the roadblocks, they're they're not available to fly us, so we're kind of stuck here, and we just have to trust God uh, during that time. So it isn't just the fuel they've got. um, They didn't. The government did not pay the school teachers all of 2018-2019 school year. So when they kicked off September 1st, when all the schools started back in Haiti, the teachers showed up thinking, hey, maybe today will be the day I get my paycheck and I'll kick off the 2019-2020 year, and that didn't happen. So all the teachers went on strike. This is for the public schools. Well, we're a private school, right? The Taewoo school that we, that we operate. And there's hundreds of other private schools. Well, all the public schools rioted and made sure that all the private schools can't function either. So if the public schools can't function, neither can the Christian schools or anybody else. So they've threatened our students, they've threatened our teachers, they blocked roads. Uh, The last two weeks now, they've even gone as much as they've burned tires in front of our churches. And they have threatened all the churches in Haiti that if they don't shut down and start rioting with the people, they'll burn the churches down. That's what's going on in Haiti right now. And my family can't wait to get back. (laughs) I'm dead serious. Like, my kids ask every day, when are we going back? So there's a lot of things going on. It's actually... Here's a little inside scoop, because we haven't posted on Facebook. You guys get the inside scoop, right? Because of our relationship with this guy right there, you guys get the inside scoop. November 18th, that's eight days from now, they are supposed to, and this is the word I'm getting from high-ups in the government, they are supposed to, this is going to get crazy, they are supposed to sign in a new president, because this whole thing, they're trying to get rid of the president they have, Joe of but his term's not up yet. So they're going to bring in this new guy, and they're going to p- appoint him as president. How's that going to go? <laughs> This guy doesn't want to step down because we've been telling him for the last three months, step down. Now we're going to bring in this other guy. So you're going to have two opposition parties fighting each other. Uh, it's going to be chaotic. So the word we're getting is things are going to get worse before they get better. And, and I can only imagine. So the last two months that you've seen of the burning tires and all the riots, all right, there's a letter that goes out that authorizes this, these kind of riots or manifestations, of protesting. And in the letter it says, peaceful. So everything that you've seen and heard the last 2 months was peace peaceful <laughs> by their terms. The newest letter that went out, I was just telling Will and Jay this before at the uh, church, the newest letter that went out, re, they removed peace. So now it's like their president John Nomois is not listening to us. We're telling him to get out. He won't listen. Okay, well now here's the new thing. We're going to have these same kind of things but we're we're taking out peace. So now uh, my imagination's running wild. If that was peaceful, God only knows what the next couple weeks could be like. So what's going to happen? I don't know. When's my family going back? I don't know. If I can't get there, there's no sense putting my family in harm's way. If um, It's not that the city of Jeremy, the Haitian people don't like us. I want you guys to know that. If, you, if everyone in this room right now was on our compound, you're safe. But if there's no fuel to run the generator, we don't have power, AC, or right? If food prices have tripled, by the way, they have tripled in price because none of the trucks can get here with all the roadblocks to our area. Why put ourselves in that situation? you guys get what i 'm saying it doesn 't make sense, so it 's not that i 'm not going back because i 'm fear, fear of my life it doesn 't make sense because I, I can 't go anywhere do anything, and without the supplies and things that we would need it's, it doesn't make sense so we 're kind of here praying, waiting on the Lord. so I ask you guys to pray with us for that because aside from a miracle i don 't know what 's going to happen in Haiti, uh, but I see that uh, the devil loves to throw confusion. I know the devil is the author of confusion uh, we know that uh we know that his plan is uh, to destroy Haiti, but I believe deep down that God has a plan to restore and uh, bring up more leaders in Haiti, and I, but I also see that in other countries too. And I believe America needs revival too, but Haiti needs it really bad. Uh, our, our problems are disguised, right? We have technology and we have the ease of life, and we can get suckered into that. Other countries like Haiti and other countries um, deal with a lot more challenging life and death situations, uh, but all regardless, they're all the same. We need Jesus, Amen. So that's what's going on there. Let me pray, and we'll we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you uh, for North River Church. God, I pray you'd bless them. Uh, Bless Pastor Michael, God, as he leads uh, this congregation, leads this team into local and global missions. God, I pray for Haiti right now, God, that you would intervene and do a miracle with the government, with the leaders. God, that you would do what only you can do. God, we're, we're, we're your hands and feet as we, as we go, God, but we need you to step in and, and help with um, something that's out of our control. God, be with my words today, God. Be my heart, be your heart, may my words, be your words, God. I just pray that we'd walk away here changed today, God. In your name we pray, amen. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Michael asked me, he says, hey, can you come and speak on um, missions, of what it looks like mission and global missions. And at first I say yes, but deep down I'm like, that's actually not my favorite topic, by the way. When you're a pastor and a missionary, I almost feel like it's a little bit in a way like preaching on tithing or, you know, serving, whatever, because it's like, that's my job. That's what I do. So I admit it's a little bit of a challenge because it's not something I'm like, hey, while I live it out and I'm passionate, I understand that not everybody is called to maybe where I'm going or what I'm doing or my lifestyle, and so I think there was a little bit, and then I was thinking, okay, well, this is challenging because what, what topic, or what passage do I use? Because I realized that there's several passages. We have Matthew 28, you know, the Go and the, the Great Commission. There's other chapters and, and verses that I really enjoy where it talks about just going and living out the gospel and things where I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll take that. But I feel like, well, a lot of preachers talk about that. So I'm trying to think through of what, what passage I want to go through, Pastors going through Acts. And then I was just trying to think, well, what do you, we're, fo- we're in football season right now, Right? No, not really? Yeah, this is football season, so you guys like football, right? So it's like, I'm, I'm from Iowa, and I, I'm, I'm the Big Ten guy, but in the Big Ten, we always run the power eye. You guys know what the power eye is? Line up the fullback and the running back, and we're just pounding it, right? The ground game, just pound it up the middle. Get one yard, get three yards. That's kind of like that Big Ten, Northwest, that's what, that's where I'm from, right? The Northwest, that's what we do. We just pound it up the middle of those big farm boys. So then I was thinking about... What other options are there? If you're only trying to get one or two yards, that's not bad to run the power eye, but what if you're trying to do more than that? Well, that's where the SEC comes into play, and don't cheer, all you Florida Gator and SEC people. Yeah, there you go. But you guys know what the spread offense is? Spread offense. So today, I'm talking about the spread offense gospel. We're not trying to just get one or two yards. What would it look like if we had the spread offense gospel mentality? The Spread offense is actually where they get a minimum of three wide receivers, and they're spreading out. They're spreading out the field because they want to pick up as much yardage on one play as they can. There's a lot of misdirection, uh, but everything's usually going deep. You have some crossing, but the reality is you're trying to pick up a bigger chunk of yards. And I got thinking about that in the spiritual world, and I was like, I wonder what if we applied that spread offense to how we live as missionaries locally and globally and so today's message is the spread offense gospel. We'll see how this goes, right? Talk about, talk about football all day long. But I think it starts with my own personal life. Growing up in a conservative home, a conservative church, going through high school, even going off to Bible college. I had a really small view of what Global Missions was. What my role as a believer was. I really did. I thought... I'm not the most gifted speaker. That's, that's for somebody else. That's for Pastor Michael. That was for my two younger brothers who have got all these credentials after their name. Well, you know, it, it's for that guy who, you know, lives in Africa and comes to the States every five, ten years. It's, it's that guy's job for, for global missions. My job's here in the U.S., so God's called me to. Like, literally, through high school and college, I wasn't really taught and trained what it really meant to maybe live on mission locally, but especially globally, because I had a small view of what Global Missions really was. I think I just ran the Power eye all the time. This is what we do. We just get a yard here, we get a yard here. Uh, I'm sure there's somebody else in the, in the other division, somewhere else around the world, is probably doing more than I am and more than we are. And they might be running the spread offense, but that's not, that's not me. We just kind of pounded up the middle, yard after yard. And I think that was a problem for me, and it took me a long time to get through and wrestle with my own view of what, God, what is your heart for Global Missions? What is your heart for the world? God gave us a commission to reach the world with the message of Jesus. That's what he gave us. But there's a problem. I believe we'd rather be excused than engaged. Does that hit home to anybody? We'd rather be excused than engaged. I know I can raise my hand and say that was me. Well, that's not for me. That, 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 that's for somebody else. Uh, that, you know what? That's just not how I was raised. How is this problem manifest maybe today in your life or in school's? Young and old. I think maybe for the high school student, maybe they're thinking, hey, I'm too young. They're preoccupied with their image in school, so that's not for them. How about the middle age? A lot of middle age people in here with families. You're thinking about your career. You're thinking about raising your kids. That's taking up all your time where you don't have, that's that's not for you. You're not going to be engaged now. You're going to be excused because, like, I've got this stuff that's weighing me down. Maybe there's a few retirement people in here. They would say, hey, you know what? I'm too old. That's not for me. Let the younger generation, let the people with energy go do that. Oftentimes, I think we don't realize that local and global missions is for everyone. I think we have a small picture and a small idea of what God's heart is for the world. We're stuck in this power eye where we're just trying to go one, one yard, one foot, just get across the line. We're not thinking the big picture. What missions is sharing the gospel is, and I think sometimes as believers, we need to have a the, the spread offense, right, Pastor? I think we need to have our our our, our minds opened and our hearts open to see God. What is it that you want for the world today? I believe God has a message for us that we're going to see some of the disciples early on running the spread offense gospel, and seeing that global missions is every Christian's responsibility. I want to I just take a few minutes and go through the book of Acts, chapter 8. We're going to read 1 through 8. I don't know if it's on the screen there or whatever. If you got your Bible, we'll, we'll take a look here and see what, see what God says in Acts, chapter 8. If you guys got it there. This is really cool. I really love this passage. This is the first time, honestly, pastor, that I've ever preached this from Acts 8 because I just feel like I'm always going with... The norm, right? Go. The Great Commission. But I think it's very interesting as I started studying this. Let's read Acts chapter 8 and see what, see what these people are going through. And Saul approved of his execution. little background going on here. If you know, in chapter 7, this is the stoning of Stephen, where now Paul is actually out persecuting the Christians. Stoning, He's approving of it, going house to house. We're going to read on that, but the background of 6 and 7. So you preached on Acts 1, I believe, last week. And so we see the church starting to gain momentum. But then here comes the opposition coming in to say, hey, we're, 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 we're opposing this. We're against this. So Paul approved his execution right after they stoned Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles, devout men, buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. Global missions is every Christian's responsibility because it starts right where we are. It starts right where we are. In other words, if you, if you think about it, why was Saul persecuting the believers? Answer me, why was he persecuting them? What were they doing that deserved persecution? They were preaching and living out the gospel. They were living missionally right where they were. And that's the first thing I want us to learn today is, remember, is live the gospel. To run the spread offense, number one, we need to live it. Live the gospel. We see right here that that's why they were being persecuted. They weren't being persecuted because they were lukewarm. They were being persecuted because they were actually living out the gospel, and it starts right where they are. Spreading the gospel isn't something we do as a vocation, it's supposed to be our way of life. One of my favorite passages where the, in, in the Good Samaritan, because I believe that that's God's heart for the world, is not a location of saying, well, when God says, who is my who was the neighbor to this guy? But, well, the Good Samaritan, everybody knows the Good Samaritan, but it wasn't like he was my neighbor like we think of neighbor as like next door. It's a lifestyle, it's a heart. I see a brother in need and I help. I hear that somebody's lost and needs salvation and I go. And that's what I love is that when we do this, we live the gospel out. It starts where you are, it starts with a heart. It's a lifestyle. It's what we do, it's how we act all the time. The church also wasn't the apostles, it was each believer. It was you and me. They were living the gospel every day right where they lived. Because if you notice, it says that when the persecution happened, that they were scattered. It wasn't like everyone stayed in the local church, right? It wasn't us just standing here like, well, hey, this is the church. It was, hey, this is you and me. This is everybody. Man, we, we, we're scattered. We're going, we're going to do this. But we started out by living it right where we're at. Second thing I think we can pull from Acts 8 here is to go. And I think we see that in verse 4. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. I, first of all, can't imagine what it'd be like. Maybe you can't either. Being persecuted. In other words, I felt a call and a passion to go to Haiti. (laughs) I wasn't being persecuted here and fled and ran to Haiti. Like, you guys with me? Like, hey, Pastor Mark, we're going to kill you for preaching. Well, okay, well, I'll I'll just mosey on over to Haiti. Things are safe over there. You know, like... You know, I get shot here or, you know, I might not have food or fuel over there. So it's catch 22. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't that I felt a call, but I, I, I can't imagine the early church being so on fire and so passionate about lost people and inviting people in and saying, man, we want you to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. People are banging on the church saying we're burning this place down. We're killing you. And they go. Well, if we can't do it here, then we're going to go. And I was doing a little research on like Judea and Samaria, and, and like just from one city in Judea and Samaria was something like 124 miles. And, and thinking about what I drove today was like, I don't know, 90 miles or something like that, and, and I'm going 70 miles an hour on the interstate, and I'm thinking about 124 miles, and you have to walk, and camels, and thinking about how hard that must have been when you're being persecuted and chased for your life because you're spreading the gospel, because you were living the gospel, now you're persecuted, but guess what? They didn't stop. They didn't stop. They went about preaching in all Judea and all Samaria. That just convicts me like crazy, because I realize God's heart for missions is a spread offense. So let's get as much going. And sometimes he uses tragedies, does he not? Sometimes he uses difficult things to get he did it in my life too, in difficult situations to get my mind thinking global. Think bigger. God, man, you died for the people in Africa? You died for the people in China. You died for the people in the slums. You died for people in Parish, Florida. Like we look at people as if, like, no, God, you died and sent your son. You want them to have salvation. You want them to have the joy that comes from knowing you. And sometimes God will use difficult situations to get us in that formation to go, you know what? This power I ain't working. Maybe we got to spread out. we got to spread out. we got to go deep. And you know what? Everybody's going to have a different position. But how does some of this truth maybe impact our life today? How do maybe we, we take some of this stuff and go, you know what, I, what did I learn today and how can I go home and apply it to my life starting Monday? One thing I can't stand is Sunday Christians. Come in, listen to something, we go home. What are you going to do Monday? Does your view of missions line up with God's view of missions? I'm just going to ask a few questions. Does your view of missions line up with God's view of Christians? Of missions? Like when you think about how these people were persecuted, what their job was, what they were doing, living out the gospel, going with the gospel, does it match up? I had a poor view of global missions. I had a poor view of missions period growing up. What's God calling and asking you to do? Maybe you're asking what's maybe ask this, what's your place in the spread offense gospel? Because I think about, we got people that do worship, we got people that speak, like Pastor Michael, we're all part of the spread out. we got people that serve, deacons. Maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, I, I don't know, I don't know what my, what my role is. i got an idea for you. Go and ask Pastor Michael, hey, I know that God's called me to be a part of local and global missions. Could you sit down and talk to me and see, how, how, how can I help serve? How can I help be a part of making sure that people hear the good news of Jesus Christ? It, 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 can we sit down and just have coffee and can you help me plug in? Because it's my responsibility as a, as a Christ follower to help see others fall in love with Jesus. Maybe ask, how has God uniquely positioned you to help advance the gospel locally and globally? Maybe God's uniquely like, put you in a position of, of power in the government, in a job. Maybe you're influential in the city. Maybe you have a job that allows you to do certain things, meet certain people. Think about how God has uniquely positioned you to help be a part of advancing the gospel locally and globally. The band can come back up if they want when we close here. But I just, I wonder when I, when I sit and think and when I was just praying through, God, like, what, what do you want me to share? What do you want the people to, to know? How do you want to take Acts 8 and when we look at it, how people are persecuted? What, what they're going through as they're trying to live on mission locally, taking your word and your love, God, around the world through all Judea and Samaria. I wonder what things would look like if that was our model, if that was our heartbeat, if that was our lifestyle of living the gospel and going to the gospel, but living it out starting right now. I wonder what that would look like. I, I, I love the fact that at the end it says so. there was much joy in that city. Does anybody here lack joy? You guys all just happy all the time. I know you guys look at me and you're like, that guy's got the greatest life. He's so happy. He's always got a smile. Do you guys ever lack joy? I know I do. But I look here and look, there was so much joy in that city. Why? Because they were watching these people literally like live out and take the gospel the good. And the good news of Jesus brings joy. The gospel brings joy. And sometimes I get caught up in programs and things, and I forget about God. No, what it's about is it's about lost people falling in love with you. It's about people hearing the gospel and spreading that. And really, global missions is literally local missions in a different area. That's really all it is. Am I right? That's all it is. I'm doing the exact same thing Pastor Michael's doing. I just happened to do it in Haiti. Jam away, my good friend. That is all I do, is I make disciples and I preach and I raise up these Haitian leaders to spread the gospel. I'm doing it in Haiti. But I guarantee you, if I was on staff here, we'd be doing the same thing. How can I mobilize and equip you guys right here to go, let's get out these walls and reach our neighbors? I want to see joy in this church. I want to see joy in your family. I want to see joy in your workplace. I want to see people's lives joyful and happy. That's not always a good feeling. I get that. It's not, a, oh, hey, I've got Jesus. Everything's great. But the reality is we know what we're talking about. You're diagnosed with cancer. Someone's dying. Well, guess what? It's the, it's the gospel. It's the relationship with Jesus. It's that relationship we have that brings ultimate true peace and joy in spite of being persecuted, they're living out the gospel, they're going for the gospel, and there's so much joy because people are watching lives change. Spirits are being cast out. People are being like, raised from the dead. All kinds of cool stuff's happening. People are being healed. I think God still, I've seen it in Haiti, God still wants that to happen. I think there's people in here that probably need to be healed, spiritually, physically, emotionally, Guys, each of us have a part to play where we are. We all have a position on God's team. We get to be part of God's team to bring life change locally and globally as we live the gospel and as we go with the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you so much for the gospel. God, the good news. God, I pray right now, God, that you would instill in us a passion, desire, God, to think big picture. God, to get outside of just thinking, well, this is the way we've always done it, just run up the middle. God, we'll, we'll do a little bit for you right here and now at the church. God, but may our, may our hearts and minds be widened. God, may we start thinking spread offense. God, may we start thinking big picture. God, we start thinking, God, I want to see as many people in this North River Parish area come to you, know you as possible. God, I want to see people in China, Africa, Haiti. God, I want to see the world fall in love with you. God, may we start thinking about how you've positioned us, God, in our workplaces, in leadership, in our homes, in our families, in the community, God, that we could spread your love and the hope that this world so desperately needs. God, I know there's people lacking joy in this room. I know there's people lacking joy all around the world. God, and you've given us a challenge, the commission to go and to live out the gospel. God, you've given us the power and authority to go and to proclaim the good news, God. God, and I pray that we would start living out the gospel right where we are. God, may we not neglect our local neighborhoods and communities. God, but may that inspire and encourage us as people watch us to see what's different about you. What's different about this church? What's different about this community? It's because we love Jesus. We have a relationship with him and we take that, God, and we mobilize people to go with the good news of the gospel, to spread it around the world. God, maybe there's people here that came that feel like they're not called to missions. God, you've called every one of us and you've commanded us. God, but maybe some people just need to be Aaron and hers and lift arms up. God, maybe there's people that just need to, to, to pray, to give, to go on a trip. God, and maybe there's some people here that need to just start serving locally to get that fire ignited, God, to go globally. God, I pray that after today, God, that Pastor Michael would have more emails and calls about people wanting to live on mission. God, to serve locally in this church, and this community, and their neighborhoods. And I pray that that would inspire to encourage His heart in this community, in this church, which my family in Haiti-Balm Mission loves, is we already know and feel the support and love that they give. But God, I know there's people out there that still need to obey what you have, God. And to take the example from the disciples in Acts, God, of how they lived the gospel, and even when being persecuted, they took it to the ends of the earth. Thank you, God, for your goodness. It's your precious name we pray. Amen.